One of the more popular questions, oh, sorry, before I begin with, the, with my homily, I want to first uh, announce that today we have a big day. The, uh, the Nonemans are PCSing, and so James Noneman is going to be receiving to the Catholic Church. So just so you know, we will be doing things a little bit differently after the homily. We'll be uh, basically having James come up and do his profession of faith. We'll be doing the Nicene Creed, and then we'll be doing a confirmation, welcoming in, him into the church. So we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to that very much, so thank you very much much for, for your devotion, your dedication to this process, and for coming into the, the faith. Uh, one of the big questions that I get pretty regularly whenever it comes to Catholicism and the Catholic faith, really more than just about anything, is the question, why can't priests get married? That, that, is, that is a very, very common point that's brought up by either my Protestant brethren or just Catholics who are just curious. It's just not, a, it's not an uncommon question of why can't priests get married? And the, 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 the answer is really, really simple. The reason why priests can't get married is because priests are fathers. The minute a priest is ordained, he is thus called father, which means that he stands as a figure as a spiritual father for both the Catholics and the potential Catholics. There's no such thing as a non-Catholic. There's only Catholics and potential Catholics. And so as a as, as a man who stands as a father to both Catholics and potential Catholics, he has an obligation to be a spiritual father to everyone. Which means, pretty simply, he has an obligation to maintain appropriate fatherly boundaries with his children and with his flock. Much like an officer cannot fraternize with anybody lower in his chain, chain of command, a priest has no business whatsoever in any circumstance, Eastern Church, Western Church, Anglican Communion, wherever, fraternizing with the laity. The priest has no business ultimately looking to date or marry or anybody within his flock. That would be spiritual incest, that is an abuse, that is a crime, and needs and deserves to be punished at all costs. It is absolutely unacceptable for a priest to do this, in the same way as unacceptable for an officer to commit fraternization. That's a simple answer. It's a simple one. Now, the bigger question, I think the question most people are probably asking, is, well, why can't married men become priests? That is a much more applicable question. Because we look at the Eastern Church, the Greek Orthodox Church, you see it. You see priests that are married. Now, did they get married as priests? Absolutely not. A priest and even a deacon is not allowed to get married after they're ordained. But in those churches and in the Western Church deacons, if they are married already, they can become priests or deacons. They can't become bishops because only a bishop has to be completely celibate, but they could become priests in the Eastern Church and in the Anglican Communion, not, not the Anglican Church, but the, those who are kind of within us. And so the, the reality is, is, how does that fit into the context? And the reality is, uh, is it fits in pretty well insofar as, as it, is, it is an exception to the rule. It's an exception to the rule. And that rule is outlined in today's second reading with St. Paul. Now, before we get into St. Paul, let's kind of get into the celibate priesthood. That's the priesthood that probably most of us have always seen. Guys like me who are not married, who live their lives as priests. Where does that come from? And a lot of people will say, 
that that is an outdated mode of priesthood. That celibacy is part of the historical past. We don't need it anymore. But the reality is nothing can be further from the truth. Celibacy, the celibate priesthood, is actually a newer priesthood in the history of the priesthood, if we're really honest. There was no such thing as a celibate priesthood starting from the beginning. The celibate priesthood actually began with Jesus Christ. So we look at Adam. Adam was the first priest. He was a priest. His sanctuary was the Garden of Eden. He, has a job, he had a job to till and cultivate the Garden of Eden. He messed up. He failed. And ultimately, he was banished. Was he celibate? No. Later on, the priesthood reemerges and reemerges as a figure known as Abraham. Was Abraham celibate? No. That the priesthood then gets whittled down, narrowed down a little bit more to a man named Aaron. Aaron, the high priest, the great priest of Judaism. Was he celibate? No. Then it went down into the Levites. The Levites were more the more common priesthood. A lot of Levites, a lot of men tending into the sacrifice, did, did, the, did the, uh, the temple thing. Were they celibate? No. They were not. However, there was a specific rule that lies, and, and is quoted very specifically in Leviticus 22, verses 1 through 6, that states that a Levite cannot live out their marriage, if you know what I mean, cannot live out their marriage on the day of, that they are offering sacrifice. And so, if they're going to be a good, law-abiding priest, they had to, whenever they were offering sacrifice in the temple, which was only about one week out of the year, they had to live apart from their wives. So that's the historical context of the priesthood within the Old Testament. Then Jesus rolls around. And Jesus fulfills the priesthood. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 states that Jesus was the great high priest. And we all know, despite what Dan Brown says in the Da Vinci Code, that Jesus was not married. That Jesus was a celibate man. And so he stands here as the fulfillment of the priesthood. But not only did he say that, all, not only did he live that example, he preached very often about the celibacy of the priesthood. He spoke, in very, he spoke very highly about celibacy, about, about men who, and women who forsake marriage for the sake of the kingdom of God. He said, and he would speak, that they were like angels, who angels neither marry nor are given in marriage. In heaven there is neither marriage nor people given in marriage. We are celibate for the kingdom. And Jesus says very specifically that there will be those men and women who are celibate for the kingdom of God. You can read it in Matthew chapter 19, verses 8 through 12. And there will be men who will be celibate, that is, not married, for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so Jesus lays it out there. There's an expectation that if you're going to follow him to the fullest, as in as an apostle or as in a priest, you have to maintain a level of celibacy. And the best apostles did. The two best apostles, the two most notable apostles that really set themselves apart, were John the Apostle, the beloved apostle, the beloved disciple, the only apostle not to die a martyr's death because he was so faithful. He was, he was the tradition has it, he was celibate. And St. Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles, the one who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament, he too was celibate. Which is interesting. So right there from the beginning, we have an expectation set by Jesus 
to maintain a celibate priesthood. Now the objection often comes up, yeah, 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 Father, that's nice, but what about St. Peter? St. Peter was married. We know that. Why? Because Jesus, the first miracle he did was he healed Peter's mother-in-law. How do you have a mother-in-law if you do not have a wife? Good question. You don't. Jesus, we believe that Peter was married. But Peter did what the Levites did year-round, whereas the Levites only did it for a week. Peter did not act out his marriage. He was like St. Joseph. St. Joseph was married. Did St. Joseph act out in his marriage? No. He kept Mary a perpetual virgin. In the same way, St. Peter did the exact same thing. How do we know that? Because St. Peter looked at Jesus and said, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. Everything. And Jesus says, for those who leave why, excuse me, for those who leave homes, mothers, fathers, and children, and come and follow me, follow me, they will be repaid a hundredfold. In other words, while yes, Peter may have been married, he lived like Saint Joseph, apart from his wife, not acting out his marriage. Does that mean that he just left her to the wolves? Probably not. We don't really know the full historical circumstance. But that tradition ended up carrying over into the rest of the Catholic Church. That tradition where, okay, we'll let you, this is early, early on, we'll let you be, get ordained as a married man, but you can't live out your marriage. Does anybody see a problem with that? Anybody see that might be a little bit difficult? That's because it was. That's because early on, not really a lot of people could do it. Not a lot of people are as strong as St. Joseph or as strong as St. Peter. Let's be honest. All right? That takes a lot, a lot of difficulty. It takes a lot of toughness. And so in result of kind of maintaining that discipline, the tradition of priests getting married, or excuse me, that's not, that's not the case. The tradition of married men becoming priests died away in the Latin church. In the Greek church, they kind of took a different path, and I think they've suffered a lot because of it. So what then does St. Paul have to do with all this? So we talk, so, so how does, how, why is this a good idea still? Why is this a good idea still? We get it it's from the Jews, from the Levites, from all this stuff. How does that translate into the year 2024? And I think St. Paul just absolutely nails it. He says, I should like you, every single one of us, to be free from anxieties. An unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how he may please the Lord. But a married man is anxious about the things of the world and how he may please his wife, and he is divided. The reality is, is it possible for, you know, like I'm just saying like a guy in my situation to potentially, and this is like totally hypothetical, this is not real at all, but is it possible for a Navy lieutenant who happens to be a chaplain to have a wife and, be, and do, fulfill chaplain duties? Yeah, I would say so. I would say it is possible because there's a lot of naval officers who have much more demanding jobs, who have families, and who do it. It's not a time thing. It's not a time thing. It's not like, it's not like priests have no time for families. It, but, it, that, but the thing is, if we think about it like that, and we think about it as a time thing, then we look at the priesthood as something that it's not. We look at the priesthood as a job. 
The priesthood is not a job. The priesthood is a relationship. By becoming a priest, you become a spiritual father. And there's no off time for that. In the same way the fathers in this congregation right now, there's no days off for that. You're a father 24-7. There's nothing you can do to change that. That is, that is life from here on out. It's the same thing as a priest. I'm a priest 24-7. Nothing ever changes that. Which means that I'm called to dedicate myself fully and completely to the Lord. Time and heart. Time and heart. And if I had a family, that would be extremely difficult to do. Would I love the Lord? Absolutely. But would things like life insurance, child raising, medical bills, medical expenses, daycare, all the little things that come with fatherhood, would those things can distract me? Knowing me, maybe you guys are a lot holier than I am, but knowing me, absolutely. Absolutely. Gentlemen, come home from deployment. Go to your wife who's just dying for you to take the kids and run errands and, you know, be the father again. And you say, hey, hang on, sweetheart. I'm going to go to the church and pray. Good luck with that. Let me know how that goes for you. All right. Generally, that doesn't play, in, play out very well. Whereas a priest who's unmarried has that opportunity. We can put God at the center of our life. We can put prayer at the center of our life. And why is that so much easier as a married man? Because we don't have a lot of urgent things pulling us. The one urgent thing that I have is my relationship with God. That's it. And that's what St. Paul is getting at. He's telling us this not to, to burden us, not to exhaust us, not so that us priests you know, can, be, can, 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 can be miserable. That's not the case at all. He's telling us this, and in his words, for our own benefit. And I can tell you right now, as having priest for, been a priest for almost seven years, that it is a benefit. Is it hard at first? Sure. But as time goes on, you start to really recognize and see that this is a vocation, that this is a call, and this is a relationship, and there's nothing that can really change it, and nothing that really exceeds it. Like I've said before, Time Magazine came out and, and said that clergy have the most fulfilling jobs in the world. And I believe it. I, I feel it personally. And I feel it's definitely the case precisely because of my celibacy, precisely because I have the opportunity to go before the Lord with an undivided heart, not focused on anything else. And so my friends, in case you ever get asked that question, you can now have just a little bit of an answer. Look, this is why priests don't get married. This is why priests can't get married. One, because their fathers they have no business fraternizing. And two, because they're priests and their whole business is God and nothing else.